Hello and welcome into Jam Session. Glad to have whoever you are listening to us. Jam Session is Matt McLaren and Jean-Jacques Taylor. We're two guys who used to do a radio show on ESPN Radio in Dallas, Texas. We now do this podcast. We talk a lot about the Dallas Cowboys, other Dallas sports teams, and just our interests in Dallas, nightlife, stories, beer, all kinds of things. Glad to have you. Thanks for listening. Let's get going. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, review. Hang out with us for a while. Right here on the Jam Session Podcast. Sponsored as always by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights that legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. But right now, the moment we've all been waiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, the TV, the podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, though? I would be the non-sexy one. It's Matt McLaren. This is Jam Session, the podcast, version 396, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertained. Which we will do our best to dazzle and entertain you today. We were talking about this. I mean, this is it's that time of the year. I mean, we're about to have the slowest sports day on the calendar coming up this week. There's just not a lot going on. And it's it's so much so proven by that. Unless you're really into baseball, and even then we're kind of in you know, just past the halfway point of the season. The Rangers are kind of floundering a little bit recently. That's why the NBA Summer League gets so much attention right now. It's the Summer League between a lot of dudes who, yes, I get Wimby and some of the guys that are young players that are really good are going to be in the NBA next year. There's a lot of guys who aren't ever going to do anything. And, man, they're running Summer League stuff like you're in the middle of the playoffs. (laughs) I'm like, it's the Summer League. I don't know. It's... The only time I've ever watched the Summer League was the year the Mavs had Luka in it. Oh, see, I didn't watch that. I watched it. Uh, God, I just dated myself. I watched LeBron's first Summer League game. Good Lord, man. That was a long-ass time ago. <laughs> I said I just dated myself. Uh, and I'm trying to think if I watched another league Summer League game. I don't know if I have. You never watched when Luca was around. I was excited about that one, but other than that, I'm, I mean, it just it's who cares? Because yeah, it was still summer league basketball. Yeah, that's the Luka thing. Was in it or not? It's the summer league, man. Like, and then of course the overreactions on how the number one pick, the next generational superstar, Victor Wimbyama, Win, Wim Benyama. They call him Wimby. Of course, he had his his debut in the summer league, and it wasn't great. And people are like, "Oh," and I'm like, "I mean, what?" The dude's like, what, 20 years old, 19 years old, came over from France, and he didn't dominate in a summer league game in his debut. Oh, so much for this guy. It's ridiculous. But it circles back around to the original point of how hungry everybody is for actual sport. Oh, no doubt. And so, yeah, people, instead of being honest about it, people try to be dishonest by making uh, big deals out of what shouldn't be big deals. Yeah, and and... Like I said, I mean, I caught a couple of Rangers games this past weekend, and it's we talked about it on the last podcast. It's a long-ass season, man, and they are going through some pains lately where you win, then you lose, and Washington is horrible. And that first game of the series on Friday, it, it, it felt like, okay, they lost back-to-back games against Boston with the same problems that we're all fully well aware of. You know, they're up like five to four, I want to say five to three in Boston. And then here comes the bullpen. And next thing you know, they give up six runs. And you're like, well, so much for this game. <laughs> yep. And it's, it's, it's reality, man. It's to the point now, man, where I'd be looking at like, you know what, bro? You got to have like a multiple run lead going into the seventh. Yeah. If you're even or trailing or up by one, I just feel doom is coming. Yeah, and that to me is the the biggest frustration watching the Rangers because what you just said is true. It feels like doom is coming because when they're up five to four in Boston, I go, well, they're losing this game because I had I had zero faith that they weren't going to give up multiple runs in the last couple of innings, and that's exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. 
I wasn't quite as bad as you, but they were five and four. I go, I don't have a good vibe about this. And when uh, I think uh, I can't remember which pitcher came in, but he gave up a leadoff single, and I'm like, oh, okay, there, this is this is a problem. And I flipped over, I checked back, they were down six four or six five. Yeah, I was just like yeah. And then the next thing you know, they score six runs in that inning. I think it was the seventh. And that's what was so frustrating was Spores was horrible. Grant Anderson came in and he sucked. And it's like, man, it, it's, and I know we've talked about this a million times. There's just absolutely no consistency whatsoever with the back end of that bullpen. And even guys that you feel like come in and show you a little something, well, then you use them again a couple of days later and all of a sudden they suck. And it's just, that's yeah. so frustrating. And I know it is for the Rangers too, because I don't even know who you can count on. And LeClerc's back now, and he looked good the other day. Maybe there's something there and Chapman. But, man, I mean, good Lord, this is frustrating. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's, uh, I think that's pretty much the, the entire thing. There's no, there's no consistency back there, and there's nobody you can trust. Uh, now, the thing I wonder, and only time will tell, is if it's a, um, if it's a pressure thing. And I think I talked about this once before, you know, just does the pressure of the moment get to them and they can't handle that pressure uh, because this is a first place team. These were big games at various times and big situations and it's too much for you. You can't calm down. You can't execute. You can't do all the things you do to, that, that are required of you to be successful. And this is just the first sign of it because yeah. the pressure only intensifies as you get later in the year. That's very true. So we'll see. I mean, again, you're going through all this, and Tuesday night's the All-Star game. They're, they're going to go into the All-Star break, and I know Garcia's going to be in the Home Run Derby on Monday, and the Rangers have all those All-Stars that are starting in the game, so I'm actually going to watch it on Tuesday night for a while, and I'm excited to see that. You know, Josh Young, I think, the other day hit two home runs, so that was kind of awesome. It's great to see, and, and he's just having such a great just what an incredible rookie season. There's a lot of bright spots. And again, they're going to be fighting for it, man. They are going to be in the conversation all the way through this thing. So it's just frustrating as hell because nobody likes watching a baseball game. It's like the opposite of, you know, there's certain pitchers back in the day. I mean, Rivera is probably the one that comes to most people's minds, but there's been teams in the past where it's like, okay, man, if our starter can just get us to the bullpen in the seventh inning, we got this. And yeah, with the Rangers, eighth and ninth, boom, yeah, boom, boom, is a wrap. And with the Rangers, it's a complete opposite of that. It's like, man, if our starter can't get us to like the ninth inning, we're screwed. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a it's a problem, brother. And uh, they'll address it, and then it'll just be a matter of whether the cats that they address it with can get the job done. So we got a lot of random things to discuss today, and we're going to have some conversations. And of course, it always starts with our great sponsors, Greening Law, at the top of that list. Man, I worked with them for a year and a half. If you find yourself in that situation that you've been injured, you get hit driving through a traffic light, what have you, a car accident, malpractice with the doctor, injured on the premises of a business, insurance companies got to get involved. And that can be a navigational nightmare, which is why you need someone on your side that can take you through all this. It's why you need the green team with Robert Greening there at Greening Law. Dude, the green team... And Matt will tell you this. What they do is they walk you through situations, man. They uh, they tell you when to turn left, when to turn right. They uh, they give you peace of mind when you're going up against somebody else's big insurance company, man, that, yo, we're in this with you. And all it requires is a phone call. If you're involved in something, you're hurt, it's not your fault, you're not at your house, hey, pick up the phone, give them a call, let them help you through the situation, tell them your details. If they bring you on as a client, we like to tell you, they don't get a nickel. They don't get paid at all. Think about that. All the work they do, they don't get paid at all if you don't get paid. So, yeah, they working for you. Trust me on that. Yeah, they are. It's, it's Robert Greening. It's Greening Law. The consultation is free. If you think you have a case, I don't know if you do. You probably don't know if you do. Give them a call and see. 972-934-8900. It's Robert Greening, offices, Dallas, Texas. So there's a couple things just kind of around that I wanted to throw out. And I thought this was interesting because the Dallas Morning News had a little article today, at least online, about the Washington Commanders and five things about the Commanders. And it's interesting because Washington, we know they're in the division. You loosely talk about them from time to time, but they've been so truly irrelevant for so long that I don't ever really give them any thought. <laughs> 
Like I don't ever truly give them any re and when I say any thought, I mean consideration of doing anything better than like I completely forgot they were eight, eight and one last year, right at five hundred. They were seven, five and one going into the last month of the season, then the last three in a row before beating Dallas to wrap up the year. And I completely forgot about that because all right, they have Terry McLaurin, who's a very, very good wide receiver, one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. Outside of that, they just they just don't have anyone that anybody really cares about. No, because they haven't. Uh, I mean, if you, to me, if you take it in its most basic form, it always starts with your quarterback. And so they yeah. haven't had a big-time quarterback since RG3. And how long did he last? What, three seasons, two seasons before he got hurt? Uh, and then his career went to, went to mud? Um, so they have – and if you don't have a quarterback, you, you're not really in the conversation. And so, um, without the quarterback, man, they haven't been a team that you had to worry about. Uh, remember, they were building that defense for a while. They had yeah. all those number one picks. Uh, they were playing good. They were getting them from Alabama. Then they added Chase Young uh, from Ohio State with the second pick in the draft. And he hadn't done anything. Uh, he's been hurt. Uh, but there's some uh, discontent on, on their part about whether uh, he's committed and all this other stuff. And uh, this is a big year for him to prove that he's the guy that they drafted him to be. Because if he is, and you add a guy with double-digit sack potential to what they have, then your defense becomes, you know, something that's in the top, you know, top ten in the league maybe. But, uh, you know, they're one of the largely irrelevant anonymous franchises, man, because there's nothing about them that stands out. Yeah, that's, that's very true, and it's wild because Chase Young has been in the league now for three seasons. He wins Defensive Rookie of the Year – in 2020 as a rookie played in 15 games in 2021 played in nine games last year played in three and that's not the way you want to go no and, and as a rookie seven and a half sacks really again rookie of the year defensive rookie of the year solid really solid season the last two seasons in 12 games he has one and a half sacks not good enough no man not that's close that's to nothing good enough no, and that's what, and to your point, like you said, he's been injured and whatnot, but man, when they drafted that dude, we were all like, oh my God, that They're Washington defensive line, that. yeah, and it never happened. And, uh, dude, that's why, you know, it's so hard to be good, it's so hard to be great, it's so hard to, um, to make it happen at the NFL level or any professional level over a period of time, because it's just hard, man, so many things are required uh, for you to have success. Yeah, and they still, I mean, look, you know, Payne is there, Montez Sweat, Jonathan Allen on that defensive line that all had over seven sacks last year. It's still a nasty defensive line, and if, if Young figures it out, I don't know, I was just looking at this, and I think it's going to be intriguing to see is Eric Bieniemy, who left Kansas City and has full, complete control of the offense. He's going to call the plays. He's going to do everything for Washington this year offensively. Is he going to be able to get anything out of Sam Howell? because they're going with Sam Howell. And like you were talking about, they haven't had the quarterback, Sam Howell. And that's what's so wild about this. And, and really, I guess over the last however many years it's been, they've had that revolving door where at quarterback, they haven't been able to have that consistency. And that's a big part of the reason. He will be, Sam Howell, will be Washington's 10th starting quarterback in the last four seasons. I mean, think about that, bro. <laughs> Ten in four seasons. You can't have any success at all like that, bro. I mean, you're just not. It's just not going to happen uh, because the, it's the game's most important position. It's one of the most important positions in sports. And if you can't get it solved, it's just incredibly hard to have success. Uh, I mean, think about it. Uh, you know, one of the great failures of the Dallas Cowboys, uh, if you think about it, is really that since 2006, 17 years, they've had two quarterbacks. Yeah. I mean, really. Like, yeah, they've had to start Cooper Rush or John, um, whatever his name is. I forget his name. Who's the guy who was the coach in Seattle? I mean, the quarterback in Seattle. The John, yeah, I was like, John Kittner? Man, that was, that's, like, that's way back. Sometimes I have an old man moment. But, I see uh, that. you know, John Kitna because of injury to Romo. But basically, man, they've had Romo and they've had Dak since 2006. 
outside injury. Now compare that yeah. with what we're talking about in Washington or what we're talking about in Cleveland or Miami before they got Tua, and you see why those teams haven't won. If you don't have stability at that spot, it's so incredibly hard to win. And that's what makes the Cowboys' frustration even deeper for those who really understand football. You've had stability with really outstanding players at the key position, and you still ain't made it happen. And that's a crime. Yeah, that's very, very true, man. And, and like when you look at Washington like you're talking about, you know, they brought in Jacoby Brissett. So if Sam Howell can't win the job, and that's the expectation is that Sam Howell will be the starter, but Brissett's there just in case. You know, they've got some pieces offensively, which is why I said it'll be interesting to see if, if Eric Bieniemy can get anything out of Sam Howell, what they can do with, again, a team that was 8-8-1 eight, eight, and one last year, was not total trash, but is about as vanilla as you can get. And they, and they didn't draft a quarterback in the draft this year. They didn't think there was a guy that they wanted at 16 that could be the future for them. So they took a cornerback. They drafted a couple of cornerbacks, actually, in the first and second rounds trying to shore up the backside of that defense but I don't know it, it's Washington is always such a again one of those teams that you go okay here's the path for the Cowboys winning the division makes sense here's the path for the Eagles winning the division makes sense it's hard for me to say that about the Giants but the Giants overachieved last year you you just look at Washington and you go man if you finish third in the division that's probably a good season for you yeah uh, unless, you know, it's, uh, I mean, we've talked about it, but it's going to be about the quarterback. And then you look at the division, man. You got Hurts, you got Dak, you got Daniel Jones. You got four guys making $40 million and one yeah. guy making, you know, two or three million. Um, that should tell you what's up with the quarterback situation, why uh, it's going to be hard for them to improve, man. Unless he shocks the world and raises his game to a place where, where people haven't seen it. Yeah, I guess I suppose that is possible, but I highly doubt that's going to happen. True. And we've talked about this a gazillion times. And as you just mentioned, man, when you get on that quarterback carousel, you are screwed. And, you know, they, <laughs> you are. I mean, it wasn't that long ago. What was that, 2019, I want to say, when they took Dwayne Haskins in the first round and, you know, the late Dwayne Haskins, who was tragically killed, but reality of it was he was a bust and and you can make the argument he wasn't ready and they threw him out there too early and they should have been more patient for him but when you go through things like that and you and you strike in the first round or you strike high in the draft for quarterbacks and you miss because I guess before that like you mentioned you have to go back to RG3 who was probably six or seven years before Haskins right. when you have those quarterbacks and you miss it, it sets you back and you, you really can never get out of that cycle because then you're going through this of trying to find somebody who can catch on. It's like, awesome. We got a receiver like a Terry McLaurin. We don't have a quarterback good enough to really make that dude one of the elite wide receivers in the NFL. He's just kind of stuck as being one of the very good ones. No, I think that's, that's it. And that's why you got to have elite play at that position. And if you can get it, then you can make it happen. Um, and they got to get some more weapons for whoever they've got. McLaren is not enough, uh, and that's the uh, that's the goal and that's the trick, man. If you're going to make it happen, and uh, until then, until they really do it, it's just gonna be talk, bro. <laughs> yeah, and and it's I mean it's yeah, because not like they ain't got a good quarter. I mean, a good coach. Yeah, I mean, Ron Rivera is a solid, solid coach. coach. Yeah. Um, now we think he's great we can we can debate that for a while but he's a solid coach nobody's saying oh you got Ryan Rivera you got no chance um, so you got a solid coach man now you got to go make it happen yeah I good luck I'd still Washington would be my pick to finish fourth in the division <laughs> no I mean I don't I don't see how you can do it it's either Dallas or Philly whoever you like the Giants and then Washington and I don't really think it's much of a debate I would agree with you but that's that's why when I saw that this morning in the morning news, I just thought, man, Washington. I mean, I know they're in the division. They play them twice a year. Just never, never, ever think about them. I, I would never watch a Washington Commanders game unless they are playing the Cowboys because they're completely pointless. <laughs> they are, and they don't have anybody. I mean, hell, man. Brian Robinson Jr., I think, it, it, you know, he, he had that weird situation going into last season where he got shot. Somebody tried to carjack him before his rookie season. He came in. He's going to be a good running back. But, man, you, you still – I mean, there are names you recognize on offense, on defense, and they're still just meh. It's Washington. True that. So we'll move forward here. 
And as we do that, we'll tell you about JR and his guys over there at Freeway Tire Shop. Such a great place. If you need an oil change, if you need serious mechanical work, maybe you just need new tires. We all need new stuff from time to time with our cars. You want to take it to a place you trust that you know is doing the work and stands behind the work. That's why you take it to Freeway Tire Shop. I think the thing with uh, JR, man, I was just over there the other day getting uh, some car inspections done. They were quick, fast, and in a hurry. Is, uh, you know, just the fact that you can trust them to get the work done that you need done. No more, no less. Just what you request gets done. Um, And so that's what I like about them, man. You can trust them to diagnose your problem quick, fast, and in a hurry. You can trust them, check this out, to uh, use quality parts to fix your car, man. You can trust them to, you know, give you a fair price. Not a cheap price, but a fair price. And then finally, dog, you can trust them to stand behind his work. And I tell everybody, real talk, if if um, you can't trust your mechanic to do all those things, not two out of four, not three out of four, all four of those things, go find another one. And the one you need to find is JR. Go right up 35 North toward Denton. Get off of Commonwealth. Go through the light. Look to the right. You cannot, you will not miss him. He's right there. And then tell him, hey, we're a jam fan. And uh, you can thank us later. Real talk. Easy to do, man. Freeway tire shop. Use them. Enjoy them. Have your mind blown by a mechanic. It's Freeway Tire Shop. Also, of course, Flow Air Heating and Air. Man, I was in Dallas on Friday and Saturday last week, and it's just so damn hot in DFW. And all you guys know it, and you forget when you go back, you're like, holy crap. Your air conditioning is so important, and it's running like crazy this time of the year. That's why Flow Air Heating and Air is there for you. Family and veteran-owned. Over 16 years of experience, they provide all your AC needs. Anything, any problems you run into this summer with your unit, you need to keep flow air, heating, and air top of mind because they'll get you taken care of. Dude, I think the thing about it is, man, you don't want to wait till there's a problem to call my friends at flow air to help you out. I think a lot of things with air conditioners, especially because they're running as much as they are right now, is about more than anything to me, man, preventative stuff. And then, dog, it's about, hey, how about this? They're easy to reach, man. All it requires is a text. You ain't even got to talk to nobody. You ain't got to get asked a bunch of questions. You don't have to be try to be sold. You just text them say, here's my problem. What do you think? You can solve it? And they'll hit you back. Yeah, we can. Then you go from there. Hey, this is what's wrong. This is what I need. What do you think? Dude, if you need to call them, call them. But text on that initial information uh, quest to me, that saves a whole lot of headaches and makes Flowair the place you need to go. Easy to do. 817-808-4115. They service the entire DFW area. They offer that 24-7 emergency service, middle of the night, on the weekends, whenever you need them. They will be there for you. It's Flowair, Heating and Air, 817-808-4115. So got some things I want to throw out kind of in this little trip around the block here. First off, so I'm in DFW, as I just mentioned for like 36 hours this past weekend. And actually saw Jacques on Friday. We hung out and had a beer together at Celestial Beer Works, which was great. Did y'all hear that? Had a beer. You did. You drank a big, boozy 13% stout. Can I tell you something, bro? It was fantastic. I felt 13% too. I bet you did. And it was fantastic, like, wasn't like it? Like because I had, I didn't have a full pour. Yeah, you had Because I hadn't had a beer in a long time. Yeah. Uh, but that 13%, brother, I could feel that on the half. I bet you could. I bet you could, man. It was very tasty. I could have easily had a a whole one, but. No doubt. Let me be honest with you. I made a point right now. I just didn't want to drink that many carbs. (laughs) No, that's the thing with beer. And I've mentioned this many, many times. If you're going to drink beer, which I usually only drink on Friday and Saturdays. But even then, if you're going to do that, you got to work out a lot. And you got to really watch what you're eating because beer is the, the carbs in it are. I mean, it's legitimately a lot of carbs. So. Yep, but it was fantastic. It It is. It was fantastic. It's a tasty treat. And so then on Saturday, so I flew into Dallas very early on Friday morning, and I flew back very late on Saturday night, which was kind of a trip because I felt like I had this wildly long weekend because I was in Dallas for just two days, but two very full days. And so on Friday, Saturday, my brother Chris was in town. And the reason why he was in town from Austin is because one of his best friends, this is crazy, had just turned pro in arm wrestling. 
Is that why y'all went to that? Yes. I forgot why y'all were going to that. So on Saturday afternoon, we drove over to the Fort Worth Stockyards and went to a bar called the Thirsty Armadillo where they were having a professional arm wrestling competition, like a legitimate, serious, professional arm wrestling competition. Wow. And I wanted to go because this will probably come as a shock. I've never been to an arm wrestling competition before. And my, made two of us. I know. So my, my brother was like, oh, yeah. He's like, I went to the last one. So they had another one at the Fort Worth Convention Center like six weeks ago that his buddy came up for. And he won it. It was an amateur competition. He won the amateur competition. And so that was allowed him to become a professional. And now it, it, it's the weirdest thing because it's in this small bar. There was probably 50, I don't know, 75 people there. 50 of those people were probably arm wrestlers. And right. they were filming it for like a YouTube channel or something they were doing. So the dude running it refused to let anyone take a picture or film a video because he's like, you're on a closed set, put your phone down, no pictures. And we're all sitting there going, no one has a clue what the hell this is and you wanna eliminate free publicity from all the people here? Like, what are you doing, man? And he was like, if you pulled out your phone and held it up like you're taking a picture and he saw you, he'd run over and like pull your arm down and push you and be like, get out of here, leave the bar. Like, this guy's a colossal asshole. Not just to mention, again, we're all going to post this on our social media and be like, hey, this is actually kind of cool. Check this out. And you don't want any of that. I mean, what? Are you, I, it blew my mind, this guy. And uh, some people really are truly clueless. <laughs> he was like, it's a pro, it, it, a closed set. We're filming this for our, I was like, yes, your channel that nobody gives a shit about. Well, yeah, and that's, you can't see the bigger picture. What is it? You can't see the forest for the trees. Yeah, exactly. I was talking to a former cowboy one time about something similar. I said, hey, now check this out. I said, I'm interested in doing a story on you for A, B, and C. What do you think? Uh, and then I said, with that, it would be probably a, uh, it'd be a uh, interview I'm going to have taped, and I'm going to uh, use it on this other show um, that will come out in the next uh, month if you're down. Yeah. And he said, well, I'm shooting a documentary about my career. I said, okay, when's your documentary coming out? Uh, you know, based on this, that, uh, you know, probably not for another couple of years. I go, well, this would be out in like two or three weeks. I don't think it's really going to affect your documentary. Well, let me talk to my people, man. Da, 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 da. And it's like, bro, you can't see the fact that one, because I don't really care all that much. You can ask me what, you know, you can tell me what you want to talk about so that it doesn't interfere with your documentary. Yeah. And two, all this do is whet the appetite for your documentary, bro. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it just couldn't figure it out. And I was like, at a certain level, I just became like, okay, man, I appreciate it. It's not, a, it's not that big a deal. Thanks. Uh, and I went and got uh, another guy to do it. And it was fine. But I was just like, bro, you... you you're missing it a little bit right here, man. Yeah, and, and this was, so this was the World Series of Arm Wrestling. It was the South Regional, and the dudes that won yesterday, they, you win $500, and there's a left, left-hand division and a right-hand division. There's different weight classes. The weight classes were under 176, 177 to 209, 210 to 239, and then 240 plus. And wow. there were some big dudes there. And I will tell you this, my brother's friend, his name is Tyler. He is one of the most ripped, large humans I've ever seen in my life. Is that right? He looks like a human gorilla. Wow. Like his, like his arms are so massive and so long. I mean, it's incredible. And he, like, I have a big hand, but I have really thin fingers. He had right. fingers like sausages. I was like, oh, my God. Like, you could, when he picked up a beer bottle to drink it, it looked like a baby bottle. He, like, it, it was, and his forearms, because when I talked to him a bit, I, I'd never met him before. My brothers told me some stuff about him. You know, he trains where they do stuff, and his forearm looked like, when he, he flexed it, it's, it's like somebody injected a, a softball into his forearm. You're, you're like, what is that? That's that's your muscle? Like, oh my God. 
And so, I mean, he takes this seriously and he just got into arm wrestling not too long ago and he started training and they do all kinds of, like Chris was telling me that he does like 15,000 reps a day with each arm of, you know, like some sort of flexing type thing. And there's all these different exercises you do to grow your finger strength and your hand strength and your grip strength and your forearm and all this. Wow. Yeah, man. And so we show up and it's a legit thing. They, they've got it up on a stage and there's three tables. So it went really, really quick because they could do the different weight classes simultaneously. So they go all the way through right. the left hand first, then all the way through the right hand. And most of the matches would last anywhere from two seconds to maybe maybe the quick the longest was like 20 seconds really yes so these things are over and done within no time oh it's as soon as you get on there i mean a couple of the guys would just like and and the refs like make you grip your hands right and make sure everything's good and then they would they release your hands you'd be like boom down winner and then if your hands slip they got to strap you in and that took a minute but i mean it it was it was kind of cool to see really an interesting colossally different experience than anything i've ever viewed and the winners of the event yesterday are being i don't think they're they're paying for their airfare but they now are they have earned a spot and they are paying for their hotel the guy announced coming up in november the national championships in san diego wow so because this was the southern regional there were dudes that had flown in from all over the South there. Like there's a team from Louisiana, some dudes from Mississippi. I mean, from all over the, like just not Fort Worth, not Texas. I mean, out of state that had flown in to arm wrestle yesterday in that event. No, I believe that. I mean, this is what they do. I mean, it's, and I was asking Chris about it because he knows a lot about it because of his buddy. And he said that, you know, maybe you win 500 bucks. If you win a big time competition, you might win a couple thousand he said, nobody really makes a living doing this. They all have other jobs, but there's a couple of guys that are so well-known that they have a following and that they're able to make a little bit more money because of their following on social media and whatnot. But man, I mean, what a what a, a, a just completely different experience, you know? And there was one dude, it was actually kind of quiet for the most part, but there was one dude who you could tell this was his bit. He shows up and he was probably in the 176 division, skinny dude. Right, wearing right. sunglasses backwards hat who every time before he would he would arm wrestle he would scream really loud and like try to pump up the crowd and go nuts and that <laughs> yeah, was cool yeah. and it was not like chris's friend tyler he he was telling us there was one guy there he goes that dude won this event last year he's like an arm wrestling prodigy he'll be hard to beat and he he had to arm wrestle him twice and the guy beat him both times like he won a couple of his his they called pools like that's what right. they call it. Like, all right, our next poolers are this. And so he won a couple of his pools, but it was a double elimination and he was eliminated with, and he did both arms and both divisions. And so he was eliminated both times. And it's funny because he was saying he normally walks around at like 250. I mean, he, this is a big human being. Right. And he had to cut weight because he didn't want to arm wrestle in the 240 plus division because there was a oh couple of guys God. there He's cutting weight yes. for arm wrestling. Yeah, so he could weigh in at like 238, 239. There were some dudes in the 240 plus division that looked like human grizzly bears. Really? There was a dude there that was probably 6'8, I would guess 300 and something pounds. Oh my. And he was like, I don't want to arm wrestle dudes like that. And I mean, he's uh, like colossally, like freakishly strong, but it's it was interesting, man. And like when the one dude beat him, Tyler comes back over and we're all talking to him. He goes, yeah, I know what I did wrong. He's like, I thought I had him here. And then I felt him, you know, if I had locked in like this, I probably could have, I'm like, okay, wow, nuts. Like it's Who knows that much technique, What's right? The biggest strategy is it just getting off the jump at the, when they let you go. Yeah, that, that has a lot to do with it. Leverage and how you're like, it sounded like kind of how your wrist is locked. And I don't know. It's just interesting. Standing. It's standing. Yeah. All right. Yeah, if you ever saw the movie Over the Top with Sylvester Stallone from like the late eighties, it's it, it's it's that. So you can't move your body, just your just your wrist. No, they're moving, man. Like their shoulders have to be in a certain position, and the refs make sure. And there's three different fouls, and I I forgot what what constituted a foul. Like you can't pull your elbow off the table. There's something to do, like with the way your shoulder is turned and stuff, and you know, I mean, you're seeing guys like basically leaning their entire body weight into this whole thing, so. Wow. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It is very interesting. Sounds like it. 
It was. Yeah. It was. I mean, I, I would be. Uh, what's the recovery time from, uh, like, how long do they get between events? Oh, it'd, it'd be in between his matches. I, yeah, matches. Maybe, maybe it's, it was five minutes once. One time it was 10 minutes at the most. All right. I mean, these guys are plowing through this thing, man. I mean, if you won the event, you probably had to arm wrestle, I would guess, you know, six, seven different dudes within 30 minutes. All right. So, but it's crazy because like a couple of times, like one guy, you could see it in, a, in one of the lower divisions, you know, he loses and he comes off like holding his elbow and he's like, ah, I felt my elbow pop. Like, ah, and I was like, oh my God. I like, believe that. Yeah. That's and, and, a lot of force being generated. Chris was saying that Tyler, it might have been either the last competition or another one. He broke a dude's arm when they were arm wrestling. Oh, I believe and he felt it. horrible about that. But I mean, it's just good lord, man. Uh, so what's what's the demographic? These black folks, white folks, All Hispanic kinds. folks, some All some of, of everybody. Yes, some of everybody. And is there like a national champion? Yeah, apparently it'll, it'll be somebody. I don't know who it is, but. I mean, there was a couple of guys that were there where Tyler was like, oh, yeah, that dude right over there is, like, legit, like a beast. And I'm like, oh, okay. And he was like, yeah, I was watching that guy on YouTube before I came up looking at his technique, and here he is. I'm at the arm wrestle. Oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah, I might, have want, I might want to check it out the next time it rolls through. Yeah, so very interesting experience, I will tell you that. The That's other thing, I want to throw this out there because this was cool. So on the way back from Fort Worth, I'm flying out of Love Field on Saturday night, and my buddy Juan had come over to check it out as well. So I'm like, hey, man, we got to hit False Idol Brewing on the way over to the airport because it's not out of the way. So we go to False Idol, and I'd been there in a while, and I saw a couple of people I know and whatnot that work up there. And I'm sitting there, me and Juan are just drinking some of the False Idol beers, hanging out, and this dude just walks over, and, he goes, and he's like, hey, Matt, what's going on, man? Good to see you. And I'm like... I look at Juan, Juan's like, do you know him? I was like, I don't think so. And then he comes over and he talks to me and his name was Todd. And apparently he's big, big jam session fan, big jam fan, listens to the podcast. And he was like, man, he's like, I, I couldn't believe it was you. He's like, why is Matt here? That's wild. And he goes, the, re the whole reason that me, and I believe it was his wife. And if it's not your wife and you're listening, then the lady he was with, they said the whole reason that they come to false idols, because we had talked about it on the podcast. And he said, you got me hooked on this place. They live in Burleson and drive over to False Idol and drink beers. Well, great. I know. You know I was like, that was really have, cool. Uh, we've told you guys a lot, man. A lot of places, whether there's, whether it's, uh, you know, False Idol or Celestial where we were hanging out the other day or um, what's the one that's the, uh, the one I like that's got the, uh, it's all the moon stuff. They Celestial. Built one. No, it's another one. Uh as soon as I stop thinking about it, I'll think about it. They got, they got the, uh, I just saw them in the grocery store too. Uh, they got one off of uh, 30 downtown near the post office. Oh, Manhattan Project. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Okay, about. all right, yeah, See, yeah. I knew everything but the name of it. Okay, yeah, I was like, what? I got you, I got you. <laughs> but whatever we tell you guys, man, it's the truth. <laughs> And so uh, it's great that you guys trust us enough to go check it out and find out that we're not lying. Like somebody sent us a jam session bowl the other day. So uh, it's always great when you test out the places that we go because we really are. We really do enjoy them, man. And we hang out and uh, they're great. And Foss Idol does some great beer. And y'all know I'm not even a beer drinker. Yeah, man. Beer is fantastic. Yeah, but that was awesome because I hadn't been able to get over to False Idol since I moved a couple of what'd years you, ago. Uh, what'd you drink? Oh, I drink. Uh, I just did a couple of flights, and I, I tried a bunch of their stouts that they had on, and a new hazy, uh, and a sour, and you know, false see, idols. Just was so drinking great. a sour the other day. He yeah, was like man, this is like drinking juice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, sours. I I, I just tried everything because I love those guys, and you know, the the owner and the GM are two good friends of mine that I that I still keep in touch with, and. You know, Dom, the owner of False Idol, has has mailed me beer. Has sent me False Idol beer a couple of times since I've lived here. Like, shipped me a whole case. Right. He's like, hey, man, we put out some new stuff. I thought you might like it. And so it, it's it was just really cool. I was I was glad I was able to do that. And it was cool to be sitting there and, and get to meet a jam fan. It was also pretty awesome. So that was fun. Yeah. And then the other thing, and you sent me this, and I, I guess I'm surprised, but I'm also not surprised by this. It just seems hard to wrap your mind around but there is a report that came out last week 
that has the DFW area along with Houston and Austin are projected to replace New York, LA, and Chicago as the three most populous metro areas in the country by the year 2100. Okay, now check this out. When I first saw that, I was like, really? And then I went FOH. And then I started thinking about it. And I said, you know what? I can see that happening, bro. And here's why. We know why they're moving from LA and California. Why? Cost of living there, you need a you need a million dollars to buy a postage stamp. Yeah. In Dallas, while everything has gone up, you can still live like a you want that that million dollars you spend on a house in California, you can spend uh realistically, you can spend three hundred, four hundred thousand and live like a king here on a house if that's what you choose to do. Yeah. Depending on what neighborhood you want to live in. Uh, and lots of people do that. So okay. So that's why they live in that's why they leave in LA. I mean in California. Yeah. Think about it though, bro. Same reason why you can live leave from New York if if you if you get tired of that. You're just tired of the rat race. You're tired of everything being so expensive. You'd like a little room to live in. I can see why people leave New York. Because once you know it, what can you always do? I always go back and visit, hang out for a week or two or whatever. And then Chicago um, is equally as expensive. And depending on where in Chicago you're living, you just don't want to deal with the violence or the potential of violence. And so you bounce. And so Texas, with no state income tax, a lot of uh, growth in Dallas and business and industry, same in Houston and Austin. makes perfect sense why those three places would be blowing up. Yes, it does. It's just, it's, it's hard to wrap your mind around. I mean, Dallas, DFW is going to catch Chicago really soon because uh, we're, we're less than 2 million people away from surpassing them. And as more people go to DFW and leave Chicago, that'll happen quickly where Dallas will become, because right now DFW is the fourth largest metro in the country. And we're going to pass Chicago to be the third largest metro maybe in the next 10 years, who knows? But what's wild about these numbers is you think about that. So currently, New York has 20 million people and Los Angeles has 13.2. Well, they are estimating, and again, this is 77 years in the future. I, I'm going to go out on a limb. I, I don't know that I will be here in 2100. I'm not expecting it. I mean, if I get to 2080, I'm over 100. And I don't know if I'm getting to 120. But... <laughs> They are, based on historical growth trends, they are estimating that in the year 2100, the metro population of DFW will be 34 million people. That's a lot of people. Again, that's 14 million people more than New York currently has. How do you have all those people, bro? I do not know. I do not know. They are estimating Houston at 31.4 million and they are estimating Austin at 22.3 million, slightly ahead of Phoenix. So That's you are just a whole lot of people. That is a I, I don't know. I don't know how a region. And again, it'll be all the open areas that you see that are outside of Dallas. Like anything open by 2100, there will be people living it. I like the way you said that anything open. People will live in it. Because to have 34 million people like that in a metro area, you are talking about, I mean, we literally, I would imagine by 2100, all the way to the Oklahoma border is just homes and people and city. Yeah, pretty much. You know, I was, even while we've been talking, I was, I was just thinking that I'm sure as they do this, there'll be some rocket train, something that will basically connect Dallas, Houston, and Austin. Yes. And, you know, if you need to go down and conduct business in Houston for a day, there'll be some kind of rapid something. Uh, I mean, obviously you can do it with a plane, but something else that'll get you there in a couple of hours. Something that'll, you know, because there's so much business to be done in all three cities that just seems to me that you can connect to all three of them so that uh, people can just, you know, come and go almost at, at their leisure. Yeah, and, and I think that that's exactly what's going to happen at some point. And that's like with technology and the Chances way we... with electrical problems. The way that we get around, there's going to be... 
who knows? I would imagine by then we have autonomous cars that are all just driving themselves. So when that happens, they can drive a lot faster. It'll be a lot safer and easier to get around. Right. I mean, by then, let's be honest, man, we, we, we could have flying taxis. I mean, who knows where technology for travel to get around will go in the next 77 years. About 77 years. Think about 77 years ago and all the advancements in technology that we've had. Who, I, I couldn't even remotely begin to estimate what it will look like in 2100. No, because it's things you can't even think about. <laughs> but my God, man, 34 million people projected to live in DFW by then. That's so insane. I mean, that's, again, right now there's 7.6 million people in the DFW area. So that's, that's roughly, they're, they're anticipating 26 million more people coming here in the next 77 years. And it's already congested. Man. I mean, that is wild, isn't it? I mean, that is just, I can't wrap my number around that. I just, my mind won't function to, uh, I don't know what that kind of people look like. No, nah, because it's, I think you're right though. It's it's all these places spread out, man. It's, it's And that's why it's a metropolitan area because it's not just Dallas. It's, you know, what, I mean, just think about just how we, how we view things now in terms of, of, uh, Look how Frisco's exploded in 20 years. Yeah. You know, look at Prosper um, exploding after that. And look at, you know, Anna and Melissa and all these places exploding. If you go down south, it used to be Red Oak was country. Well, now Red Oak is booming. Uh, Midlothian is booming. And I always tell if they're booming by how many high schools they're building. Yeah. Um, You know, and so it's just everything's blowing up as people try to move one step further to get just a little more peace of mind, a little more quiet. And, um, you know, it's just is what it is, man. It is what it is indeed. And it's it's what it is is insane. And I was just looking at this because I didn't know how many people lived in Tokyo, but it is the number one most populous metropolitan area in the world. And the metro of Tokyo, Japan, has 37.2 million people right now. So Dallas is going to be Tokyo, Japan in the next 70-something years. (laughs) So think about that. And then uh, Delhi, India, is the second most populous, and they got about 30 million people. And then Shanghai, China, Mexico City, Mexico. So uh, when you're thinking about how many people are going to be there, if you have ever seen any footage of any of those cities, that's what DFW is going to become. Jeez. And man, Tokyo, good Lord. So have fun with that, future people. (laughs) Yeah, I'll be dead and gone. Somebody else's issue. Yeah, and I can tell you this. I would imagine 77 years from now, I don't know if it'll be Juan and Brent that are doing it, maybe somebody on down their line, but Smokey John's Barbecue they'll still be pumping out that delicious barbecue for all 34 million of those Dallas people because Smokey John's man, I mean, on top of the list, the jam session bowl, they created a menu item for all of you to get over there and enjoy. Jacques has enjoyed it many, many times. It is a rare treat when a restaurant at their level that is already winning awards and doing crazily good barbecue invents a menu item that isn't even on the actual menu for a podcast because of our listeners and how great you guys are as jam fans. Yeah. And like I said, we just had somebody go and uh, check it out this weekend and show up and uh, send us a picture of it. I'll find their name in a minute. But no, the Jam Session Bowl, if you haven't tried it out, you need to. Real talk. You just need to give it a whirl. And the Jam Session Bowl is, it's a mac and cheese or mashed potato base. And then you get to pick two out of five uh, smoked meats for it, which is always great. I typically go with the sausage and the brisket. You can ch- you can choose chicken, turkey, whatever. But sausage and brisket rocks for me. And then, bro, all that stuff you find on a loaded baked potato. Yeah, and I'm talking about the bacon and the chives and the sour cream and the butter and the cheese. All of that stuff, man. They put it on top. They drizzle it or they drench it, depending on how you want it, with that fantastic Smokey John's barbecue sauce. And that, my friends, is a wrap. It's to live for easy two people can eat off it easy no problem got a little shorty the three of y'all can really eat off of it no problem it's a lot of food man and it is all delish a lot of delicious food the greatness of smoky john's barbecue swing by grab some lunch with those boys say hello they'd love talking to you i can tell you that smoky john's
So you also sent me this, and this is just so insane because we see these trends from time to time, these challenges and whatnot, and I didn't even know this was happening, and apparently it's killed people in Alabama, where I currently live, but there's a new trend on TikTok of people jumping off boats that are zipping through the water at a high rate of speed, and there have been at least four deaths in Alabama from people doing this because they break their neck when they hit the water. And uh, now when I first told you that, you go, well, that's just dumb or something similar to that. And I just go, well, it is at one level. At another level, I really didn't know that if you jumped off of a boat against still water and it was going very fast that the water turns into like concrete. Like I just didn't yeah. know. And so I'm sure these kids, obviously they don't know or they wouldn't do it. But, you know, man, I used to say this about uh, babies once I had one, and uh, you can, I'm sure you can relate. At a certain point, man, while they're a certain age, and maybe that age is between two and four or two and five, yeah. they literally try to kill themselves once a day. Um, whether they climb something they shouldn't have, they jumped over, they walked, just, they just literally try to kill themselves almost once a day. And it seems like with social media and challenges and stuff, now you have to extend it out and tell your kids, you just can't be doing all this stuff, seeking the thrill or seeking seeking clicks or seeking likes on a post. It's it just not worth it, man. No, it is not worth it, worth it at all. And, and like when you read this and the fact that, I mean, they've got a, the, the Childersburg rescue squad says the four that we responded to and they jumped out of the boat, they, they literally broke their neck and, you know, basically an instant death. And... You know, I wasn't surprised by that because, again, when people jump off a bridge and hit the water when they're trying to kill themselves in that sense, when you're going fast, water will kill you. And so the fact that, I mean, if you're zipping down a lake going 50 miles an hour, when you hit the water, your body is going 50 miles an hour hitting that. So Yeah, I guess so. I hadn't thought about it like that. I mean, it is, it's the, the craziest thing. Like, why even in the world would you want to experience that? Like, even if it doesn't kill you and you're not going fast for it to kill you, I mean, it's going to hurt really bad because that's how fast your body is traveling and you're going to hit that. I mean, it, water is not feathers. <laughs> I mean. I think people just think they... You know, you just, it's deep, so you just go through it and you pop back up. I mean, it, it's. But, I mean, when you think about it, like, I guess that's why belly flop hurts. Because you didn't go through it, you didn't go through the water the right way. And so you flopped and it kind of hurt. Yeah, exactly, man. I mean, I, I just, I don't know. And, and you see some of these, it's like back when they, people are eating Tide Pods and they're doing all this dip. Like, what in the world are you doing? And stuff like this to me is so insane because if we said, hey, let's play Russian roulette, everybody be like, I'm not doing that. There's a there's a bullet in that gun. It could be me. All these right. these silly little things like this. That's well, why you're already playing Russian roulette. Exactly. They just don't know, brother. You may not be the person that it happens to, but it can happen. And I, I just try in this day and age of my life not to put myself in situations that up the chances that that's it for me. You know what? That's a good rule. Of, that's a good way to live. Because <laughs> I don't want this to be it for me. I got a lot that I'm kind of wanting to, to do in life. So right. I just can't believe that was. a. But it is. It's a real thing that people are doing. That's real. Yeah, I'm uh, I was shocked. Got to tell you. Got to tell you. I mean, it's like I don't think people would jump out of a moving car on the highway going 50 miles an hour. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, I, I don't know. Maybe I give the human well, beings you know, too much credit. That's what I thought, too. I, like, if a car was going 50 miles an hour and you jumped off, you, you would certainly think that would hurt. Correct. You probably would not enjoy that very much, I would imagine. I think it's the water thing that fools them. Like, okay, if I just jumped, if the boat were sitting right. still and I jumped in the water, it wouldn't hurt. So, so you're like, yeah. oh, I guess it'll be okay. Ah! Guess yeah, not. Basically, it's too bad, brother. Too yeah, bad. Just, what a horrible, horrible situation all the way around for that. So the final thing that I'll throw out, and this is kind of random, just back to sports, because I, it's, I don't know why when I saw this today, it, it just kind of blew my mind, but Greg Popovich, the Spurs have announced he has re-upped with the Spurs 
He has signed a five-year contract for $80 million. He's 74 years old. He already passed Don Nelson a season ago for most career wins by a coach in NBA history. He now has 1,366. He's third all-time in playoff victories. And now he's going to potentially, I mean, you're talking about a dude, I mean, he may coach till he's 78, 79. He's going to put that wins thing so far out of reach. I mean, who else is going to do what he's done? I mean, he's been, he's been the coach there. I mean, it's it, it, he's been there so long. He took over in San Antonio in 1996. I was in high school when he took over as head coach of the Spurs. <laughs> he's like he's like uh, one of those college coaches who's been there for 40 years with this Shishevsky, and he's seen you know he's seen his players become grandparents. <laughs> I mean that that's that's I, it's just know, crazy. This, this is but this all makes sense to me, and here's why it all makes sense to me. It makes sense to me one. Uh, when Monty Williams got all that money from Detroit, yeah, yeah, the Spurs and Monty signed like eleven or twelve million dollars a year, made him the highest paid coach in the NBA for for a minute. Yeah, that that the Spurs people were like, "Bruh, we got to go take care of Pop, man. We got Monty Williams making more than him. So, what kind of deal you want, Pop? I don't care. Just whatever y'all put together. Okay, five years, eighty million, sixteen million a year. That puts you three or four ahead of Monty where you deserve to be. Okay, that's cool." And uh, so the money makes sense. The contract makes sense. And then he just got the number one pick in the draft who's supposed to be a change, a difference maker in the, in, the, in the likes of LeBron, where it should only be a matter of time before he's helping you win championships. Well, if you're going to compete, that's what you compete for is to win championships. He's, the Spurs have sucked for the last two or three years, maybe four. Well, now he's got a chance to build a champion again. There's got to be something into his competitive fire that makes him want to do that. And then finally, man, the reality of it is, is this. Um, his wife died like a year ago or two years ago. His wife that he's, you know, he's had forever. Um, it's, it's been like five years. She passed in 2018. Man, it's been that long. Yeah, yeah. Time does fly. Um, and, you know, he, he may not have filled that void yet, uh, given that they were married so long. And so, you know, um, this is something that keeps you active, keeps you engaged, keeps you living life. And uh, he may enjoy that right now. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about a five-time NBA champion. They've won five titles since he's been coaching there. Three-time coach of the year. It's, it's just insane because, I mean, this is like what you expect in college. You get guys in college that they've got the program and they're so big and he, like, like Coach K or Izzo right. or somebody like that that's been at that college since forever. And I mean, to see anybody in professional sports as a coach last as long as he has in one location, it's, I mean, that's just incredible. I mean, they made 22 consecutive straight trips to the playoffs until that came to an end, obviously back in 2020. And they've had four straight losing seasons since then. But I, I, I just... I don't know. I, for whatever reason, when I saw, I was like, he's re-upping again for five years? Yeah, brother. I mean, wow, man. And I'm not a Spurs fan. Obviously, they're a huge rival of the Mavs. But it, it's, as a fan of sport, and it's like, I hate Philadelphia. I hate the Eagles. But I can look mm. at that franchise and go, man, they run that thing well. And San Antonio is the same way. I, I don't root for the Spurs. I like when they don't win because they're a Mavs rival. But they are a, you look at that franchise and they, and it's largely because of Popovich, some of it dumb luck, the fact that they had David Robinson and then magically wound up with Tim Duncan and now just yeah. magically wind up with Wimby. But it's hard not to look at that organization and go, man, they just, they run that thing so damn well. No, that's why they're always in the hunt, brother. Yeah, or they used to always be. I mean, they yeah. they were horrible last year. There's a reason why they ended up with good lottery chances and ended up getting the number one overall pick in the draft. And we'll see. And I kind of wondered that, too. I was like, maybe having Wimby around now, they that kind of renews him, and he, he can yeah. be around a guy like that for the early portion of his career before he passes it off to someone else. But I don't know, man. One team since 1996 
Mm. You just don't see that in professional <laughs> head coaching. Hell no. Nah. And I don't know that you'll ever see it again. Yeah, I mean, uh, and not just because the coach, you know, management is too reactionary for that to happen. Yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess the closest thing that jumps into my mind that that would be would be Bill Belichick in the NFL with the Patriots. And even right now, his thing is about to come apart if he can't win. Yeah, because you, you kind of wonder at what point do the Patriots look at that and say, yeah, you're, you're a legend and, and you brought us all that greatness, but this, this isn't working and maybe it's time for a completely new direction. And you kind of wondered that with San Antonio too, with four straight losing seasons. But then again, this dude is such a legend and is also the, the like president of basketball operations or something that I guess there's just a couple of guys that you sit here and say, all right, well, I guess you'll be here until you decide that you don't want to be here anymore. Cause Bel- Belichick's been in, in new England since 2000. Yeah. Uh, and the rumblings are just have really started in the last year or so. You know, there's something the other day about uh, Belichick saying essentially, and I'm paraphrasing, well, you know, it's not like we spend a lot of money on payroll yeah. around here. And then Robert Kraft. Well, that was weird. Jacques just completely disappeared. I have no idea what happened to Jacques, but he is gone. What in the world just happened? But that's how we do things on the Jam Session podcast, I suppose. We're sitting here recording this, and the next thing you know, it's just, well, See you later. And you wonder why. And I was enjoying that conversation. I thought that was a lot of fun. I don't know. Maybe he'll come back. Maybe he doesn't even know that we lost him. He probably doesn't. And I might just leave this on the podcast because you guys will think it's funny. Or maybe you're annoyed by it. All right. There you are. We were kind of talking about the coach tenure. and Oh, well, see, I was, I was saying that, you know, the thing about it is that um... – you know, you can get to a point like, you know, Belichick is complaining about, hey, we haven't spent enough money and Kraft is going, nobody asked me to spend any money. That's the first fracture right there. Yeah. Because what, cause what is that really? That's people saying, and it's not my fault, it's this guy's fault. Yeah. And that's the other guy going, well, it's not my fault, it's his fault. And the problem is they got so used to winning, which, I mean, this is like, nobody's ever going to do that again because nobody's ever going to have the the greatest defensive mind and the greatest coach and the greatest quarterback at the same time, both in their primes and both getting started and doing it, you know, at the same time. Um, but I would not be surprised at all if Belichick gets fired or walks away at the end of this year if they don't get to the playoffs um, or if they don't have playoff success. Yeah. Why? And, and that can happen because why? They're probably the fourth best team in the division. They certainly got the uh, third or fourth best quarterback, depending on whether two is healthy or not. If two is healthy, they got the fourth best quarterback. And before you get all up in arms, they fired Don Shula, they fired Tom Landry, they can fire Bill Belichick. That's very true, man. That is very, very true. <laughs> so we'll see. I was just curious because I, I could not have told you this. I guess if I thought about it long enough, I might have come up with this, like who the longest tenured major league baseball manager is. Of all time? No, no, of all time, it's Connie Mack. I mean, that's yeah. that dude was, golly, I think he managed for like 50 years. Like, seriously, not oh, exaggerating. Jesus. But well, currently, currently, currently let yeah. Me, let me think right quick. It's going to be hard for me to get this because uh, I don't even know that many baseball managers. Yeah, and I'll tell you, he was hired in 2012. So it's not it, even that long. Yeah, it's not even really that long. Is, and it, that, uh, is it my guy with the Dodgers? It is not. It is not. Trying to see how long he has been there. Dave Roberts was hired in 2015. So that was a good guess. Yeah, and oddly enough, the longest tenured National League manager is Craig Council of the Milwaukee Brewers. Never would have guessed that. Yeah, but it's an American League team. American League guy. Uh, It's not the West. Uh, Let me see. Let me. I'm trying to do this real quickly. Yeah, going through all the teams. Who could it possibly be? Right. Jesus. It's not the Astros because they just got their guy because uh, Hinch had all those issues. Yeah, that's the thing is like half half the entire league. Oh, is it my guy? With, is, I don't know, bro. It seems like he just got there. Is it Francona? Yes, you nailed it. <laughs> I am that dude. Terry Francona <laughs> of the Cleveland Guardians was hired in October of 2012. And by two full years, he is the longest tenured manager in Major League Baseball. Kevin Cash wow. is second longest. He's the manager in Tampa. I never would have guessed that. Yeah, I got to tell you. John Madden's been gone that long? Yeah, Joe Madden, yeah. Joe Madden's been gone that long? Yep, he's been gone wow. that long, man. What's crazy is 
You know, I guess I could have told you the managers in our division. Nah, let me see. Let me see. Um, I ain't going to lie to you because I have no idea who Oakland's manager is. Uh, Dusty is Houston's manager. Yeah. I think Scott served. No, Scott yeah, served in Seattle. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And uh, damn, well, who is the Angels? Uh, it's Phil Nevin. I don't know if you'd ever get that. I'd never get that. Yeah, because Joe Madden was there used, and then they got rid yeah. of him. Right, right, right. Yeah, that's the only reason I, I remember Phil Nevin is because he played for, and then Mark Kotze is is Oakland's manager. And I remember those two because they both played for Bill uh, Bruce Bochy. Yeah, I remember them as players. Yeah. I didn't remember them as managers. And I had read an article recently. Oh, that article about Bruce Bochy that we talked about. It, it had quotes from both of them in there because they're divisional rivals and they played for him and now they're managing against him. Uh, yeah, see, I so. read that, but I didn't remember their names from yeah. that story. And then I, 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 could, I could get Alex Cora in Boston and obviously Dusty there in Houston. Aaron Boone with the Yankees. Outside of that, man, I don't know. Which is like, really yeah. interesting because you could easily, I would imagine, name all 32 head coaches in the NFL. I'd have a hell, I don't know if I get all 32, but I'd have a hell of a shot to get all 32. Yes, much better than the managers in Major League Baseball, which is interesting. Yeah, go figure. All right, well, that'll wrap up this version of the podcast. Should have a normal week for you guys. It's going to be a fun one. Not a lot going on, but we're still going to be here pushing out some episodes, hanging, chatting, having a good time. Everybody have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Jam Session Podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy, Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.